0: Hello. What's up? It's me, your pal Larry. It's been a long fucking time, hasn't it? I apologize. Look, I've spent a lot of the last uh, four weeks or something sleeping. Um, I've done a lot of sleeping, a lot of um, just life things, adult things, like yeah, being a babysitter. I mean, I've had, look, I've had a lot of alcohol. Too. <laughs> I've been drinking a lot. Um, even like just a casual glass of red wine on like a wine down. Um, yeah, I mean, you know we've had some group gatherings. I've had a lot of people staying over, big overnight things, all nighters, and I just haven't had the time i apologize okay i'm gonna apologize because it's not that i haven't had the time it's that i haven't consciously made the time to commit to this because september mental health awareness really really drained me um and if i'm being completely honest uh, the beginning of October is, um, is my mother's birthday. And so that first two weeks of October, I was just like deep in my head, just trying to filter through all the internal rage I am apparently still experiencing. And it's just really, really funny because I thought I was a lot further ahead in my grief process Um, But just the other day, just as a story, just to catch up, because, you know, it's been so long. Just the other day I was talking to um, someone from work who also lost um, one of their parents in the last year. And usually I'm so comfortable just being like, yes, this happened. It's a thing that happened. It is what it is. We move on. Um, but he was talking to me and I found, like, I was struggling to make eye contact, I was stuttering on my words, I was, I felt emotional. Oh my god, I feel emotional now. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, oh no, <laughs> no, I'm fine. Um, and I just realised that there's still a lot, still a lot that I'm coping with, that I am not okay <laughs> with yet um anyway the funny thing is is that in australia october is mental health awareness month (laughs) not september i think i just made that up or i saw it or maybe it's an american i don't know anyway in australia it's mental health awareness month so we are diving into a lot of those topics um and a lot of my work related stuff is all about building resilience and I keep thinking about that and because I keep actively thinking about it it keeps drawing me back to like things I haven't dealt with in in my childhood or in my teens anyway I'm just a clusterfuck at this point <laughs> and um the last two weeks have just been me pretty much um acknowledging that and dealing with it so for me a lot of my vices um I like to just sort of live in the moment and I will drink to excess or eat to excess excuse me that's my phone I'm sorry um just because it's easier for me to deal with things like that than it is to just out front acknowledge um the problem so, there is my personal catch-up. If that's not what you're here for, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Skip ahead. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should put a caveat in the beginning. If you don't want to hear me ramble, skip forward to five minutes. Anyway, hi, hello. Let's do it again. It's your pal, Larry. Thank you for joining me for another very, very delayed episode of The Mercurial. Um, you know, it's, it's October. <laughs> I really, really wanted to get into, like, Halloween-y stuff. Um, and the spooky things, I wanted to get into urban legends and I have had some episode, ep- episodes, episodes, um, stocked up from months ago where I was recording spooky things and like I said, I just haven't been in the headspace to do it, but I am back. I'm back. So please forgive me my absence. i going to say, forgive me for my absence. Um, how is everybody else doing? 'Cause this isn't just about me, it's a, it's a two-way love, it's a two-way relationship, takes two to tango You know, all that shit. Um, I hope everyone's been really, really well. I've actually really missed this uh experience. Oh. Oh. Excuse me. It's kind of been um therapeutic, so let's let's try and stick to a regular schedule or something I mean, there is like five or ten like literally five to ten episodes that I haven't uploaded. I'm sorry. Mm. Um, work related things. Uh, but yeah, let's work at a regular thing. Anyway, today, uh, it's Monday, the twenty sixth of October. It's just quarter past two in the afternoon. Um, it has been a heavy rain the last couple of days. I'm anxious as heck. I have a Halloween party at my place this Saturday. I don't know how um I don't know how the weather's gonna hold up, but. Um pretty much today all I wanted to talk about was Halloween. <laughs> I love Halloween and not just for, you know, the whole trick or treaty thing. I never really I've never really trick or treated um, cuz Australia when I when we were growing up it was not altogether common. Um but I really like not just the whole aspect of dressing up, but I love the origins of Halloween. So I thought I will talk about it with you guys today. So shall we? let's get into it let's talk about halloween okay so halloween obviously falls on the on the on the october 31st falls on the 31st of october every year um and it's a holiday that much like every other holiday has evolved it's changed throughout history um, but its origins, are based in, um, you know, the Europe area. <laughs> when I said that, the area is like, um, so Ireland, Scotland, the UK, Northern France, all about those places. It was celebrated by the Celtics. Um, and that was about, about 2000 years ago. And back then, November 1st was their New Year's Day. And October 31st was, um... It was it was a celebration of the end of the harvest and the beginning of the darker time of year. So essentially, if you think, um, you know, they've harvested through the spring, they're moving into autumn, into winter where they hunker down. It's the time where they start to prepare to slaughter livestock to survive the winter. That's essentially what it was. They also believed that October 31st was the time where the uh, the barrier between the living and the dead was at its thinnest. It allowed spirits to cross over. And so there was a lot of sort of superstition uh, or rituals around about that fact. Um, what happened then was around about a thousand years ago, the Christian church then created November 1st. Um, they moved, it, I think, from May. To, october, to november 1st um all saints day which was also called all hallows and it was a special holy day where they would honor the saints and people who have died for the christian religion so obviously being november 1st as all hallows day 31st of october became hallows eve um, and the name evolved to change to halloween so Similar to the Celts, Europeans around about that same time also believed that the spirits of the dead could visit the earth on Halloween. Um, and what would happen is they were really worried that the the more malevolent spirits would cause problems or, you know, potentially harm them. So what they would do is they would um, dress up in costume as a saint um, or they would dress in costumes that looked like ghosts or other creatures. To ward off those spirits, so either spirit would believe that they were also dead and not harm them, or to protect them from the spirit. Then, of course, you have um, the great migration of the Irish and the English through to America many, many years later, all those emigrating Europeans, um, some of the traditions sort of evolved um so whereas halloween in europe people would carry lanterns made of turnips in america the the pumpkins were more common i think the celtics used pumpkins as well from memory i remember reading somewhere um but yeah and so people start using it to put candy inside them and using them as lanterns and that's why we have jack-o'-lanterns today these days 2020 especially Halloween is not considered a religious holiday it's mostly fun for the kids fun for people like me who like the spooky life um, but you know the kids are still dressing up in in costumes the same way they did thousand years ago but um, instead of worrying about all the evil spirits uh, they do the trick-or-treating thing I think um, I think from memory I read that the Celtics, did a uh, a version of trick or treating, but they would recite a verse, um, and they were given some sort of cake in return. I can't remember what it is. Anyway, specifically, that's pretty much the gist of Halloween. Okay, so wow, my friend's really li- lining up today. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> oh, um. So, I mean, Halloween's a really, really, really great holiday, right? Like, it's... For me, it's exciting. It's, um... It's, it's, um... (laughs) The time of year that I feel like I can get away with being extra gory or extra spooky. Um, I've always sort of been drawn to, like, the more, like, a gothic vibe um, or, like... I mean, when I was in high school, emo wasn't really a thing. Seeing kids didn't really exist. It was just sort of... That was, like, the the beginning of it. Um, and I I didn't quite fit in the emo side of things because I didn't really... Partic- I didn't particularly enjoy the music, for one. I thought it was really whiny. Um, and two, I didn't like the whole, like, overly... I don't know how to explain the emo kids of the um, early thousands, but it's yeah it didn't didn't sort of it didn't fit in that box um i was much more akin to the, the 90s grunge um, the 90s goth vibes my eyebrows were plucked very thin i love the dark lipstick a lot of like black lace and like dark reds and like blood so you know that kind of shit um but yeah it's a uh, halloween's always been something of like a an exciting time of year for me um and you know I've always sort of gravitated towards horror of that genre and so the last couple of years I've I've always tried to have my Halloween experiences overseas um and not in Australia so this is the first time and only because um of COVID (laughs) um, am I not going overseas to celebrate Halloween I think I was planning on going to Morocco um this year or jamaica or something i had plans to go somewhere far and wide but instead i'm home i'm having a halloween party i'm having around about um a legal amount of 20 to 30 people coming around to celebrate with me um i've got all my decorations up i've ordered more decorations i've spent way too much money on this this halloween like I'm just, I really want to, I love the ambiance and I like, you know, I put all these LED lights because I really wanted to create that vibe. So I'm really excited about it. <laughs> Can you tell? Ah! I love Halloween. So I was reading a lot on history.com. So you know the history channel with that big gold H. they have a website as well. Um, And they have this whole thing about Halloween facts and traditions and legends. And of course, the girl was on there reading them because Halloween is fantastic to me. And I'm just going to read you some of the stuff they've got here because... Modern-day Halloween focuses on horror and make-believe. And because of it, there's a lot of urban legends that have spawned. There's, like, the ghost stories, the pranks and the hoaxes. It's very exciting. Um, and for me, you know, Halloween, it's all about shedding that reality. Um, and I love the celebration because it's it encourages that narrative um, that, you know... I mean, not so much that they're communicating with the spiritual realm because I don't really... Um, do that but um just enjoying the at least make-believe existence of it which I think is really really exciting and for me um obviously if you've been listening to this podcast since its iteration I've always (coughs) excuse me I've always had this fascination with like creepy legends and and characters um that are real like how we're talking about you know the the godfather of matamoros and and the whole scale of evil thing those sorts of uh, events are what lend themselves to the legends and the the stories that are created and since halloween is a tradition of confronting the dead um and you know celebrating ghost stories and hoaxes let's learn a little bit more about them for example vampires (laughs) the vampires <laughs> so vampires for me um were an obsession at a point when I was younger and I will admit I bought into the twilight hysteria very very early on but by the time the films came out I was over it um and I actually remember seeing the third movie I think it's Eclipse the one with the werewolves that were really bad CGI I went to the film to the cinema with my sister and I laughed out loud during some of the scenes because it was just so poorly done. And I was like, look, I ain't going to say that Stephanie Meyer is a genius literary. But as a teenage girl, I was like, mm, maybe one day a vampire Anna will be in love with me too. Not really like that, but, you know, it's more like you get caught up in the whole prose of the intellectual thing. Anyway, back to my original point. Vampires originally... Um, Pretty scary creatures. Um, if you've watched uh my favorite of all time, um, Queen of the Damned, not necessarily because of the film itself was brilliant, but Jonathan Davis of Corn Fame, also like let me just tell Corn is featured heavily in my Halloween playlist and in my everyday playlist, more or less. That soundtrack of is it's just so fucking good um it's you can't get it on spotify and i'm actually looking to buy the original cd from amazon there's only a couple left i've seen on store there that's the only thing i actually really want and i've just been so lazy to buy it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it today i swear anyway (laughs) um really really good soundtrack and for me it was that was the mysterium that was that was all about vampires you know it was this thousands of year old liege and it wasn't about people having superpowers and falling love and half breed babies. It was it was mystery and it was lust and desire and fear and oh. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. But did you know the vampire thing, the deal the vampires? Um, is because during the 19th century when tuberculosis was rampant or as at the time it was known as the consumption um, it claimed many 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 lives um, throughout the northeastern part of the United States and at that point physicians weren't able to explain how infectious diseases were spread they didn't know they didn't have that information and so The villagers who were suffering from the consumption believed that the people who were perishing from from TB were being preyed upon by their living family members. And what happened is it actually spurred this practice of digging up the dead and burning their internal organs because they believed that that was how more people were dying, is that the living were feeding on victims and yeah not crazy <laughs> does that make sense to you i mean it doesn't make sense to me obviously if my 21st century brain it doesn't make sense to me but uh, let me go into it a little bit more so um you have a salem witch trials have you heard about those <laughs> i hope you have it's a huge 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 deal uh the salem witch trials let's just go let's go even further back let's start from the beginning the salem witch trials um they started around about 1690, early 1690s um there was a group of these young girls in uh the village of salem in massachusetts that um people claimed were possessed by the devil and they were accused of Uh, like a whole bunch of local women of witchcraft and there's this huge wave of hysteria it spread throughout Massachusetts and this huge court convened in Salem to hear the cases um and then the first woman who was convicted as a witch her name was Bridget Bishop um she was hanged in that year um so if you've watched a lot of uh witchy shows I think Vampire Diaries might mention Bridget Bishop I've I've seen her in a show somewhere anyway um so bridget bishop gets hung um and then i think like 18 more 18 20 more women um were also hung at gallows hill and then over the next few months i think it was like hundreds it was definitely maybe up, up to up to 200 people men women children all accused um, and then by maybe around about six to eight months later, the hysteria begins to settle down and the public opinion turned against the trials. So are like, oh, you guys are fucked. Um, and so what happened is that the Massachusetts general court, they annulled all the guilty verdicts, <laughs> all the guilty verdicts against the witches and their families were granted indemnities. But obviously a lot of them already been hung. <laughs> a lot of them already dead, um... And the stigma has already been introduced into the community. So there's a lot of bitterness. Um, and it just became this really, really painful legacy of the Salem Witch Trials, which has endured up until this day. So that's pretty much the Salem Witch Trials, right? It's it's fairly common, I feel like, in, in the space of... Uh, not urban legend, because obviously it's a real thing that happened. But in that kind of... I don't know the word I'm using. I'm not very articulate today. Anyway, you know what I mean. Let's, uh, so we have the Salem with Charles, I think it was 1690s, about 200 odd years after that, um, another hysteria strikes that area of the country, area of America, around about New England side. And they start fearing vampires. And so, like I said, you have the spread of TB, the consumption is consuming all these lives in the Northeast, um... And I think it was something like when they were recording all of the mortality rates, um, they reckoned that TB claimed about 2% of the population of New England and because it was obviously such a high number of people they were terrified and it was also a very very physically horrific way to die so people who were suffering from consumption they were emaciated they were coughing blood their skin turned like gray and a lot of them died of really really like suffered through a slow death um with the appearance of as if something was sucking the life out of them. If I can relate it to, if you're familiar with Harry Potter, you know, he have dementors that sort of suck the happiness out of people. And um, leaving, is it, is it the people who get left behind as a husk? Or is that something else I'm thinking of? Anyway, that's pretty much what they thought about it. Um, at the time, the people who lived in that area, they didn't really deny that the consumption was happening. But this was before bacteria and germs, infections, infectious diseases were really known about. And so back then, doctors didn't know what was up. Um, and so, like I said, they were they were burying people and then unburying them, burning their innards. Um, and they believed that the vampires who were killing these people off um, were... A bacteria that had fangs <laughs> I know I know whatever, whatever and so in line with the fear of vampires consuming their community they do the they start doing all these rituals right to protect themselves um, it was just ugh. if I can if I can relate to a specific case one of the bodies that they exhumed, um, the people... Actually, I think it was two bodies. They The people brought shovels and picks and they exhumed these corpses of this woman. Um, oh yeah, and her daughters. Excuse me. Um, who were like 19, 20 years old. Um, each of those women, they'd all obviously suffered from consumption. They were wasting away. They succumbed to this mysterious disease Um, and the doctors, I think they believed they knew what the cause of death was, but the citizens in that area, they had a different theory. There was a guy, um, who thought something more, something more sinister was lurking on his farm. And so what he believed was that after, um, after one of these women had been buried, (laughs) His son also fell sick and I think he, all right, wait, wait, let me get back a bit. Okay. It was a husband who'd buried his wife and two daughters. Okay. I'm sorry. My brains, I need food or something. And after his daughter had passed away, his son had started to fall sick and he's, freaking out he's like oh my god like my whole family's dead and he was desperate to save the last of his children and he gave the townspeople permission to dig up the bodies of his wife and daughters when they took the bodies out of the ground they discovered that um the wife and one of the daughters had already completely rotted away but the third daughter on the other hand was strangely well preserved despite having lied in the crypt for several months Um, they believed it looked as if her hair and her nails had grown and when they pierced her skin, it still had what looked like fresh drops of blood. And so for everyone who was there, they looked at her body. They're like, this bitch is a vampire. What? How does that happen? I don't know. Anyway, so the guy, the doctor who lives in this village, he witnesses this strange makeshift autopsy and he repeats what he thinks is a suspected cause of death. He's talking about how it's really, really cold. She died in the middle of winter. The weather's kept her body preserved. But they're not having any of it. They're like, nah, this bitch, she been dead for months. she been buried. She's a vampire. Look at her body. It's, it's, it's in pristine condition. So what they did is they removed her heart from her body and they burned it on a rock. And they believed because it was burnt in a ritualistic fashion um that it would help <laughs> and they I think what happened something happened um the one of the guys um excuse me, excuse me they burn her heart they burn the, they burn on the rock and someone consumes the ashes as like a thing to like oh she's dead she cannot come back to life um but did nothing obviously and he the oh, wait no it's the sun. oh my god i'm so sorry okay <laughs> my brain's getting confused all right wife daughter's killed the dad is trying to save the son. The son's already sick. They burn the younger sister's heart on the rock. And the son, who's suffering from consumption, consumes the ashes. But it does nothing to slow the progression of his tuberculosis. And he dies a few months later anyway. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway. Um, so the... <laughs> Those bodies that were dug up, um, I think it was in Rhode Island, they, co- they called them the vampire at that time. Rhode Island was known as the vampire capital of America. Um, and it was just one of many similar uh, bodies being exhumed throughout New England at that time. Um, which is just crazy, crazy, crazy. <laughs> and so what they think happened is that Bram Stoker, who leveraged the fear of these vampires going around publishes his novel the infamous dracula in 1897 capitalizing on the vampire fear that's running through the country at the time and he describes the vampire characters you know um a ghost type being who possesses a human body who's left a grave at night to suck the blood from the living um which is obviously a very very exaggerated version of what the people in new england believed <laughs> which was a little bit less terrifying um they believed that it was a corpse that did not appear to have been completely decomposed, that had fresh blood in its heart or other vital organs, which indicated that the corpse had been inhabited by some sort of evil um, spirit that was draining the life from living family members. Yeah. And so what people believed is that the spiritual connection um, that some suspected vampires had with people or like their relatives that were still alive allowed them to gain access to their victims without even leaving the grave so kind of like a spiritual possession oh my god scare the shit out of me sorry just music started playing my headphones and i was like what the fuck okay talking about vampires got me got me hyped up um did you hear that anyway um yeah And so, eventually, they stopped exhuming the disease, people. Um, Eventually. (laughs) Oh, my God. (sighs) What a time to be alive. Anyway. After all this happened... um, (laughs) The... I can't even. I'm just, I'm just like, oh my god. I'm just, What am I doing right now? Okay. Anyway. Eventually, um, whenever someone suspected a vampire, what they would do um, in Rhode Island, in Connecticut, in Vermont, they would uh, burn the hearts and livers of the bodies of people they were suspected were vampires, um, and then. <laughs> That's is how they dealt with it and eventually it sort of wears out. And I think, uh, in 19, in the 1990s, um, it's about 20 or 30 years ago now, they, these archeologists discovered a whole bunch of skeletons in a gravel pit in Connecticut, um, which they think was once a colonial era graveyard and all these bodies showed signs of tuberculosis and had been rearranged into skull and crossbones patterns. um, and they think those bodies were buried um, as part of a ritual, like a consumption ritual for a case that was called the Jewett City Vampires, which I do encourage you to look up if you ever get the time, because um, it's quite interesting. Anyway, <laughs> eventually this whole thing with the vampires in that area, it started winding down by the end of the 19th century. Um, there was this... Um, German microbiologist guy his name was Robert Koch he identified the bacteria responsible for tuberculosis Um, and then because science became a thing it started to replace folklore and explain the diseases that had claimed so many people's lives and you know I mean people were they were desperate they were just trying to find answers for all the death that they were um, suffering through so yeah that's pretty much what happened to vampires. Isn't that fucking whack? <laughs> I think that's just crazy. Vampires as a whole in pop culture is just. Oh, what a time to be alive, I guess. <laughs> Anyway, 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 anyway. That is pretty much all I had to talk about for this immediate moment. Um, I'm going to try and get some of our other episodes in backlog updated too because... eh, What a waste of content. And it's almost the end of October and I promised that I would use the things that I have. I'm sorry. Um... Just before I sign off, actually, I just want to send a huge thank you to Michael, our gay correspondent. Um, he actually gifted me the microphone I'm using right now. It's a pile microphone, P-Y-L-E. It's actually fucking bomb. Um, I, man... I'm so, so grateful to the people who continuously support me in this endeavor, even though I'm highly irregular <laughs> and I just kind of come and go as a piece. I mean, it's the whole point of being mercurial is that I just kind of do what I want. Um, and I just, you know, and when I get there, I get there. But thank you, Michael. Your continued support means so much to me. And I can only really, really hope that one day I can return the favor in in some sort of way. I don't have much to give, but... Whatever I do have is yours. I'd also like to give a shout out to Sophie. I've actually been looking at getting a lot of the logo work redone for the podcast. doesn't make something a little bit more official. And she's been so fucking patient with me. I asked her to do some things and she sent me a brief and there's some really, really great ideas on there. Um, But I've just been so catatonic in the last five weeks. I haven't had time to get back to anyone. So I'm really sorry about that. But I promise you I'll be better. Anyway. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your continued support, your time, your ear holes. your love and appreciation. If you want to talk to me, um you can find me on Instagram on um at the Mercurial podcast. Um or on email mercurialpodcast@gmail.com. Um we have a Facebook, we have a Twitter, you know the deal. I'm never really on there. So, I mean, access at your own risk. Um yeah that's about it I'm sorry I will do better thank you goodbye bye